Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Elle Russ just does it all. She is an author, actress, comedian, writer, and the host of two podcasts. Wow. <laughs> she is the best-selling author of two books, The Paleothyroid Solution, written in 2016, and Confident as Fuck, published in 2019, with a foreword written by fitness legend Mark Sisson. She is the host of two successful podcasts, the Primal Blueprint Podcast and the Kick-Ass Life Podcast, which she hosts with her friend and fitness expert, Tara Garrison. She has appeared in over 200 sketch comedy and improv shows and even wrote for the award-winning documentary Headhunt Revisited. She has been featured in several media outlets and platforms all over the world. You can find Elle at lruss.com. Elle, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto Boundless Body Radio. Oh man, can I steal that intro? What yep. a let's, wonderful from the top. Let's, let's go again. L. Rush just does it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It, you know, you mentioned all those things, and it's interesting because people, if someone's like, "What do you do?" I'm like, uh, "Where do I shit? Where, <laughs> Where do I start?" I start? So usually I just go, "Well, you know, I do a bunch of stuff that's all under the umbrella of writing and speaking." And then you know, because it's like you know, listening all those things sounds funny, but yes. And thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. Happy to chat with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I feel like you're somebody I followed for a really long time and I'm so much looking forward to this conversation. Um, I'm glad you took a break from podcasting and podcasting to do some podcasting. Um, <laughs> yep. We are going to talk for 50 minutes about your appearance on my favorite show in the world, which is South Park. You were on South Park? Well, uh, there was a fifth anniversary special many years ago, which really dates me because that show has been around <laughs> for a really long time. Um, so Here's how it started. Uh, I had, uh, okay, Matt Stone and Trey Parker decided to do a live action sitcom during the Bush administration called Not My, or That's My Bush or something like that, right? <laughs> and um, here's the thing though, then 9-11 happened. And then, so they put the show out uh, they had like one season of it and it didn't go any further. And I think because honestly, it was just like, bad timing. They also couldn't do much with the kids because the secret service was like, please don't mess with the kids. They're underage. Like, don't make fun of them. But long story short, I went into audition for the series regular lead role on the show, which was supposed to be a classic dumb blonde character, but she was actually the one running the thing, you know, like she was <laughs> nice. George Bush's assistant, but she was actually like, so anyway, they, um, the reason they brought me in is because they had, uh, they had remembered me Sorry, so, sorry. But th so that happened first. And I went in like three different times. And as an actor, by the way, side note, this is a perfect example of you walk slowly to the parking lot because they may come after you. And they did that. I had run into someone in the lobby and I'm glad it delayed me because they came back out and were like, hey, 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 they want you to come back and do it again, you know, which is a good sign. Right. Wow. So I did it a variety of ways. Um Long story short, here's the thing. I had seen Bigger, Longer, Uncut, their first movie, three yep. times in the theater in Chicago in one week. Like, that shit was my favorite so fucking thing. So when I got out to L.A. and to have my first thing be auditioning for a lead role in a sitcom that they were doing, you can't even imagine. Like, I was on cloud. Like, I was like, this is, like, the the best thing that could ever That's happen to amazing. me. amazing. Wow. So I go over to Sony, long story short, another girl got the gig who also got the gig for being the lead in Team America, the lead voice. But long story short, so then I, I didn't get the role uh, and then that show got canceled and then they had like a fifth anniversary special come out and the same casting director was like, hey, Matt and Trey remembered you and they're wondering if you want to come and like hang out on set. They're doing like a fifth anniversary special for pay-per-view, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I wasn't actually in the animation section of that. It was more of a like 
they had like this bit going on where they'd run, you know, they, maybe they'd run clips of it and then they'd cut to where there was supposed to be a party that no one showed up to. And I was like one of the waiters. So kind of just like looking around, like anyone want to drink, like more of an extra role, you know, but it was more like, Hey, you want to go hang out with Matt and Trey on set? For, yes. you know, whatever the sag ray was. And I was like, I don't care what they want me to do. I'm going. <laughs> um, then I find out that Matt lived a couple doors down from me. And then I befriended them. Next thing you know, it was like a whole fun summer at Matt Stone's Nine Acre Ranch, Topanga Canyon. And, you know, I just uh, kind of became buddies with them. He had a half basketball court, which is my jam. I'm a basketball player. Uh, so we had a lot of fun, a lot of good grill times. Um I will say, I didn't know Trey as well, but I will say, you know, Matt Stone is exactly what people think. He's very down to earth. He's extremely generous with all of his friends. He's super cool. You know, you have to imagine being him. Everyone in the world is coming up to him constantly. So, you know, we'd be out with him at events or things like that. But so generous. I mean, flew all of us to a wedding out east, uh, you know, bought concert tickets, dinners. I mean, very, you know, very, very generous. And honestly, I I really, really love him. He's one of my favorite people and still, of course, a fan. So I did. um, Then they called me in for Team America to do some voiceovers. But (laughs) I know. Right. So and what was great about that is so what they, the idea at the time was like, Hey, let's bring our friends in who we know can do her actors and stuff. And like, let's, you know, have them play the roles. But the idea was for us to come in and really get some of the verbiage down, I think for the animators and everything else. And they were probably testing us to be like, you know, will we hire any of these people? Long story short is they bought a bunch of friends and I think half the group didn't do so well. And I think they felt like, well, we can't hire everybody. If we don't hire everyone, we can't. So they went with other people. And then also for the roles that we were reading that day anyway, you'll see in the movie, Trey ended up doing all of the voices. Wow. Like, um, you know, all the like, so so I was there to do like an impression of Susan Sarandon, let's say, but he ended up doing it. Because, you know, if you've heard anything about Matt and Trey, they'll be honest. Like, we fucking hate dealing with actors. We don't have to keep calling them in. Fuck it, we'll just do it ourselves, right? So so that, that's what happened. But either way, I do, obviously, if people look me up, it'll say voiceover for Team America. It, it's uncredited, though, but I did get paid for that, you know, as a union actor. And it was great being in the booth because they hadn't worked out the song completely yet. So it was just like, you know, America, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. Like, they just didn't even, like, they had no words other than that part of the song. I will say this, though, being in the booth with Matt and Trey that day, I mean, I, just to know the man, you know, just to know man anyway was awesome and he was a cool guy. But like that event right there, again, dream come true, highlight of my life. What a wonderful moment. And, you know, it was just so much fun to be there. So, yeah, that's there's that. That's amazing. That makes me happy. See, I mean, I watched the documentary they made about how they go from like nothing. They go from air to airtime in six days. Like they. Oh, they work nonstop. And I mean, now they probably have it even more, you know, set down. Like so they used to have groups of writers. They'd like, you know, cycle in. But now it's basically just, I think, Trey and like Bill Hader or something. I, it's a very like limited group. You know, they've got that thing well oiled. It's like 20 something years old now. Wow. Um, but they did a couple of things. First of all, they did that. It, it is true. It was not, I mean, the, the guys, were, they worked a lot of hours. They work a lot of hours. Um, Matt was often home late. They were out the, the night before that thing airs. It's again, up to the minute. And so really hard workers, really great crew. They ended up hiring a lot of their friends and people that they've known over the years. I, I love the show. I've been a fan of it forever. I thought the two recent specials, the pandemic and the vaccine special was just so fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, just really great to even be associated, but yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, 
technically That's like, amazing. you know, working for the show, but yeah, they are great. And then the other thing I love that they do that I got the idea to do is when they used to have teams of revolving writers here and there, they would uh, do something really cool. They would be like, Hey, uh, we're all going to take you to like Hawaii for the month. We're going to rent a huge mansion and we're going to knock out a bunch of episodes. And I love that focused nonstop thing when it comes to writing myself as a writer. So when I started to become a writer and then wanted to do a more substantial project other than just write, you know, three, four page sketches for sketch comedy. I did that with a friend. I said, Hey, you ever written a screenplay? We should probably figure this out. Uh, and let's go hole up somewhere for a week and just knock this thing out. And that's what we did. And that's what I continue to do as I write. So, you know, like my second book, Confident as Fuck, I just go hole up myself somewhere, you know, and just like, extended focus like i'm in this breathing at 24 7 mm. and so i kind of got that idea from that that's a cool approach i love that wow that's amazing as much as i want to talk about south park this whole time i guess we better talk about some other things in your life you, <laughs> right you are doing this new podcast the kick-ass life podcast which i am really enjoying this is a really great oh, um you. podcast you guys talk about um some really relevant topics it goes across the board but you are extremely vulnerable both of you extremely vulnerable about what you've been through and you have gone through a lot in your life you've overcome a lot of challenges and you've had again a, a heavy amount of things that you had to overcome so tell us what it was like growing up and what challenges you faced okay yeah so i mean um what led me here well i'll start with this so right out of college i was in the corporate world i had no intention of ever being a writer or anything else. I was like, I'm going to go make my shitload of money. I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to get a dumb salary paying job in the meantime, apply to law schools, and then I'll make a ton of money, become partner, retire early, done. That was just my plan. And uh, although here's the thing, I always wanted to be an actor as a kid. Always. I just thought that's unrealistic. It's stupid. Right. You know, so then I get in the corporate world and um, I'm kicking ass like big time. And uh, I'm like, oh man, I'm like 22, I'm making six figures. I was like, oh shit, I am going to be retired with like 15 Porsches in the driveway by the time I'm 35. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, it worked. It worked. That was so smart of me. I'm doing better than anyone I ever know. This is great. And then um, my arms got disabled. I got a serious repetitive strain injury. I got chronic tendonitis and tenosynovitis in both of my arms. I was completely incapacitated and could not work anymore. And I had to go on disability. And then that led to, oh shit, I'm never going to be like, I couldn't even be a Starbucks barista to this day. still can't, um, still couldn't, could, you know, what job in this world do you know that does not require eight hours a day of repetitive hand use? Not one can't be a cashier, waiter, waitress, can't work at a computer. Wow. Nada. So I was like, oh my God. And here I am 22 now at the time there's no podcasts. Like there's no, you know what I mean? Like right. there's just not, there's not even really social media, uh, at the time it's just internet, but like, it's nothing. And so you don't just go to NBC and be like, Hey, uh, got any voice jobs? You know, that's mm. <laughs> just not how it works. So that started a 20 year journey for me to find a way like, Oh God, well, all I have is my voice now. Mm. So I go along that journey and I, I go back to the second city in Chicago to do sketch comedy because that was my dream. And then I come back out. I join the union SAG after I'm auditioning for TV and film roles, as I mentioned earlier. Right. That part of me being here and auditioning for these roles with these people. And uh, then a few years later, I started getting really fat out of control, out of nowhere. And my hair starts falling out and I start to get all these symptoms and I start to get my period all the time and I'm breaking down. And I'm doing all the things. And the only thing out there is really Atkins uh, that would even be compared to like a low carb thing or, you know, and so, but that I got fat on that. And anyway, disaster, 
horrible thyroid situation that I suffered about seven years of my 30s with two bouts of thyroid issues, both of which I fixed myself, which is why I'm a subject expert. But during this time, I was like, oh God, all right, well, shit, I don't, you know, I'm fat, I'm bloated, no one can help me. Um, obviously I can't go out for these leading lady roles anymore. Cause I'm not fit anymore, <laughs> you know? So I was like, I guess I'm just gonna have to be the funny fat friend and fall back on my comedy experience. So I guess I should go do sketch comedy again. Cause it's the only thing I have to like, even make me happy. Right. And I, I guess this is what I have to do. So I did, I joined a sketch comedy group in, in LA, a theater and I, you know, took the writing courses and did the improv and did the thing. And then I performed improv and sketch comedy. She's uh, every week for years. And uh, so I was at the theater Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday wow. night. And, um, you know, I did that for a really long time. And meanwhile, struggling with my thyroid issues, but trying to figure it out. I ultimately did figure it out myself. No doctor helped me. I ended up dosing myself back to health, buying my thyroid hormones online and literally being my own doctor. So no one should have to do that, but I did. And I fixed myself. And then I wrote a best-selling book about, hey, <laughs> here's how to do it. Mm. So that's how that worked out. In the meantime, I also was getting heavily into writing because I was writing a lot of sketch comedy. And that's when, like I said earlier, I turned to a friend and I'm like, why don't we expand this? Let's write a screenplay. Let's write a sitcom, right? You know, I mean, what are we doing? And so we did. And then I started to go down that direction, which what led me to someone being like, hey, uh, we need help writing this documentary. And then I was like, you know what? I've never done a documentary. That sounds fun. And the project was really cool. So I signed up for that. And, you know, thankfully it it won a you know the, the the best documentary award at the uh, La Femme Film Festival in Los Angeles, and it's uh, I'm very proud of it. And then that, and then you know, I was working on that. That took about those producers and directors about ten years to actually get it done. I was just the writer, you know, but to actually get that thing to a screen took them a long time. And in the meantime, I was like broke from all the thyroid effery, trying to figure out all these doctors spending money trying to do stuff. No one's helping me. I'm broke anyway, because I'm on long-term disability, making 40000 a year in California, <laughs> uh, wow. which is, you know, alone with no help. So it's not like I had a spouse or anything that was helping me with this. Were you and living in a broom closet? Far. Like, where were you living? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, again, it was like paycheck to paycheck. It was, uh, it was tough. And finally, I just got to this point many years ago, about nine years ago now, where I was like, all right, I, I need to get some kind of job, but like, what kind of job can I get that like anyone's going to understand? You know, I'm like, maybe I could pick up dry cleaning and be like a half-ass assistant for some like wealthy mom. And you know, Malibu, there's a lot of wealthy people in Hollywood. Maybe I could be a nanny, but oh fuck, I've done that so much in my life. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't like that, you know? And so I'm trying to think of all the things I could do with the limitations I have with my arms. And, um, Anyway, long story short, I put it out there and within one week I had three opportunities to work for three writers in Malibu wow. and one of them was Mark Sisson. And I didn't know who he was. I didn't know anything about Paleo Primal. I'd never read his book. I at this point was like, I'm fucking broke. I don't care. I'm so overqualified for this job. You know, when I was in the corporate world at 22, I managed 100 men throughout the state of California on wow. projects for Fortune 500 companies. So to go be an assistant was like uh, a walk in the park for me, you know, but I was like, whatever, I just need money. You know, I had gotten my car towed. There were tickets. I had to pay back a friend. Like I was just in that space where I'm like, all right, I'll do whatever I have to do. So I meet, I meet Mark of, of all the lucky things in the world. And I was the most qualified application they had gotten, of course. You know what I mean? Like they were like, who's this? And uh, it turned out my roommate at the time was his, uh, bookkeeper. 
Wow. And I said, oh, I applied to a bunch of jobs today, some people in Malibu. She goes, who are they? And I said, well, one of them's this guy, Primal Blueprint. She goes, oh my God, that's, I, I'm his bookkeeper. Let me call him. And then my resume got put to the front of the pile. I went in to meet with Mark and his wife, and I was pretty much hired on the spot. They didn't even interview anyone else. And I became Mark and Carrie Sisson's personal assistant for a minute there, kind of their family assistant. So I was at their house dealing with all the stuff. Mark at the time had just started a publishing company. He had not yet started Primal Kitchen. And um, I still had read his book, by the way. I, so I started working for him. And as I'm working for them and seeing them live, I'm going, you know, these motherfuckers look way better than me. And they're like 20 plus years old. Oh, the jack. <laughs> and I'm like, it's insane. And, and, it's insane. It, please, I beg anyone listening to this, go Google Mark and Carrie Sisson and you're going to jump off a bridge. So <laughs> I'm looking at them and, and I'm like, they're not only fitter and healthier, but they don't seem like they're struggling. They're not working out like 24 seven. They don't seem like they have eating disorder issues. Like I, you know, they seem perfectly happy. And so finally I was like, maybe I should read this guy's book. I'm working for him. Right. So I, I finally read his book, but what did it was seeing a two hour DVD of a seminar Mark gave in Chicago talking about the primal blueprint. And it really hit me I almost get goosebumps now thinking thinking about it because that really changed my life because I started to adopt his principles. You know, before it was like, no, I've read every fucking diet book. I'm like flipping through his primal blue. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no grains, whatever I've heard all before. I don't care. What's new here? Well, I didn't really realize the depth of it until I saw him speak about it. And that's what made me go, oh, oh, I see. Mm. And then right at that time, they had started to come up with the primal health coach thing. And I became like the beta tester for that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to become one of the first primal health coaches, like for sure. Um, and went through educating myself. And when I started to become paleo and primal, I noticed that finally, because it was right after my second bout of hypothyroidism called a reverse T3 problem. And even though I had taken the right thyroid hormone to fix it, I still was bloated and fat and in a carbohydrate dependent nightmare. And I couldn't lose weight. And I'm going to hot yoga five days a week thinking, well, that's got to torch it, right? I mean, that, but I'm getting fatter and I'm more tired. Long story short, I finally went down the paleo primal path. And that includes lifestyle, meaning not doing hot yoga five days a week. Wow. Okay. And right, you know, lessening my heart rate, not hauling ass up the hiking trail and just keeping things in the fat burning zone. And then I changed my paradigm to a paleo lifestyle and also just, you know, food paradigm. And I noticed that not only was I losing the weight, but I started to reduce my medication significantly. It was becoming more efficient at processing T3. So for example, even if people don't know what this means, I was on a very high dose of hundred micrograms a day of T3 and I dropped down to about 2025, um, which is significant. And so things got better and better over time. And I was like, oh my God, but here's the thing that that really did it. I always, for as long as I can remember since teenager had issues with eating, like always looking at the fridge, always trying to hold back, right? Like food issues, food obsessed. I thought it was just me. I thought, because when I lost all the weight to become an actor and was fit, I was doing it the wrong way and didn't know it. And I was kind of starving myself and I just figured, well, I'm fit. So I guess this is how people have to do it. Like, is anyone else talking about it? Does my friend Kara, who doesn't seem to have a problem, does she also suffering, but no one's saying anything? Is this, this must be the way you have to get there? Or am I just cursed? I, I couldn't stop fucking thinking about food, Casey. Like it was just That's crazy. And, and, and the paleo primal paradigm, that is the one thing that it does, assuming you don't have any underlying hypothyroid or crazy metabolic stuff going on. That's the number one success story we get every Friday at Mark's blog, Mark's Daily Apple, which is, yes, I cured my skin disease or yes, I cured my type two diabetes. But the best thing is I am no longer obsessed 
with food. Yeah. This completely cured it and to this day still has. Okay. Wow. And so that is the freedom. Forget the weight loss. Forget the other shit. Mm. That's that's the best thing. That's almost what every person, if you're out there and you are looking in that fridge every two hours and you feel like you're food obsessed and you fucking can't, I get you. I was there for at least over a decade. So that really changed my life. Um, meanwhile, at the time, Mark's getting busier. He's starting to, you know, not only publish more books, but he's starting to think about starting, you know, his first condiment, which was the avocado primal mayo. And then he and Brad Kearns at the time were like, hey, you know what? You want to take over the podcast? Mm. And I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> like, that's a gift to someone who needs to use their voice, right? Of course. So, of course, I was honored. And I've been hosting that ever since. Of course, Brad Kearns co-hosts some episodes. And, he, you know, he puts out episodes too. But yeah. uh, And then, you know, I've been doing that because Mark got too busy. And then, of course, the company exploded. I mean, I think I was probably the seventh person hired. Here's the funny thing. Back in the day after college, when I worked for the corporate technology company, um, I was also the seventh person hired. <laughs> wow, weird. And it's so weird. It's like I get hired to be the assistant to these dudes who are like amazing and then like promote me and keep lifting me up. Cause I was promoted. Like I started off as that guy's assistant after college and the company had grown so fast. They kept promoting me, which is why I was able to make a lot of money. And, um, same here in terms of just that, you know, going along and growing with the company. And so now I think I've been with Mark and, you know, his team basically for, while I don't personally assist him anymore, I'm sure he, you know, he's got someone else for that. Um, I, and then he published my book, Paleothyroid Solution, because I went to him and I told him, hey, this is what I've made this connection. No one's else made. And it's not jinky. It's not, you know, just for the hell of it. And he's like, oh my God, I've wanted to publish a thyroid book. Wow. So I, I love Mark Sisson like a father and uh, his family. I still do sometimes, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm close with them. I still will occasionally like house sit if they're out of town and they need someone to wash the dogs, you know, I'll kind of always be a part of, I'm sure their, their, their world a little bit. Um, but I love their whole family so much. He is even better than what anyone could hope he would be. Mm. Kind of like how I said about Matt Stone, like you kind of want these, look, cause you live in Hollywood, like I live in Hollywood, you meet people that are famous and you're like, ah, fuck, I wish I didn't meet you, man. Now I can't watch your shit cause you're <laughs> a dick. It. Yeah, ruined it. Oh, this has happened so many times. I don't even want to out these people, but let me just tell you something. It's, it's almost like you don't want to meet them, right? But that's not the case with Matt Stone or like Mark Sisson, two very different people, but they are more and better than what you could have ever wanted them to be. Mark is even 10 times cooler and more awesome if you get to know him. That's awesome. Uh, even though everyone gets that impression of him. And same with his wife and his kids. I just love this family. And I wouldn't say that I don't blow smoke, so I just wouldn't even mention it if I didn't feel that way. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, uh, you know, all of this really aligns with me not having to use my hands eight hours a day, right? So now I coach people. Now I speak. Now I podcast, write books. And, you know, I use my voice for a lot of that. And then I use my hands for the editing part. So, um, it's, it's been a, it's been a great journey, lots of fun. And also all of the performance and improv and all of that shit I did is completely applicable to what I do now. Amazing. Right. Because as a speaker, as a presenter, as a teacher, as a coach, everything. Um, and I didn't, you know, who knew, right. That that would even lead here. And couple lessons. And I talk about this in confident as fuck. And if anyone wants to know the full story about my disability story, it's really interesting in there. And I have a, a chapter labeled shame disables confidence, but part of the confidence book in general is gifts come wrapped in shit, period. Don't be knocking something because it later may be the best thing that ever happened to you. I, to this day would never go back in time and change either my hands getting disabled 
or change getting hypothyroidism. Both led to things that were actually back right to my initial dream. And they forced me there because I tell you what, had my hands not been disabled, I'd still be in the fucking corporate world. There's no way I was going to give up that money. Mm -hmm. I was about to get promoted to a position that would have paid me a quarter of a million dollars a year at the age of 22. Wow. Wow. Some of the people who stay there, they're part owners now. I would have never given that up to become a fucking actor. Like, are you kidding me? So it's almost like the universe had to cut the golden handcuffs off my wrists to steer me in this direction. Mm. But I will say, I already got disabled, right? And then, and by the way, for you out there, don't feel sorry for me. I can use my arms. I have full mobility. I swim laps. I just can't type on the computer for you and I'm not going to help you move. And we're probably not going to be on a tennis team together, right? But- (laughs) But other, but I'll play a game of ping pong with you at the, at the, you know what I mean? So, so I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. I live 95 plus percent pain-free. It's just when I do repetitive things, right. They'll get jacked up just like the baseball player that's out for the season comes back in and they pitch and then they get injured again. Yeah, It's a repetitive strain injury. So I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. I also had to do a lot of work though in the health arena, right. You know I mean? I have to make sure that I swim and stay aligned and things like that. So, you know, if anything, it kind of prompts me to continue to stay on the health journey. But both of these things, you know, I got disabled, then I got hypothyroidism and I kept thinking, are you kidding me? Like you look up and you're like, really, really universe? Are you fucking like another one, like two health weird things? Like what? Clearly I was meant, you know, your test is your testimony that kind of shit people say like that's true and also gifts do come wrapped in shit these things are the best things that ever happened to me i would never take them back i would never take them back and i'll tell you one of the reasons why because i would already be retired and i'd have that house in northern california and have the porsches in the driveway and i would be wondering what's my purpose and i know that because at my age all of my friends who have been in the corporate world that but the jobs they don't really care about they are struggling with that now Mm. wow now they have the 401ks and the bank accounts and the, you know, the homes and the mortgages and things maybe I wasn't able to get, right, uh, for a period of time. But I wouldn't trade my position for anything knowing what I know now and knowing the dream come true life I've gotten to live. I mean, you know, I was on an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine a couple of years ago. It's funny sometimes when people find out I'm an actor because they're just like, wait, what? Like, you know, because yeah, it's not something I really... Um, and it is such, I mean... The sketch comedy that I did that we never got paid for. When you're a sketch comedic actor performing improv, no no one gets paid for that. You know, if anything, you're paying for it. Like you're paying for the costumes, right? You're paying yeah. for the gas to get to the theater. Those days are still some of the best times I've ever had in my life. I, 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 I can't even like, it's so good. It's the gift that keeps on giving. All of it. It's so the gift that keeps on giving. And everything that I fucking do, I love. I love it so much. And so, man, did it suck. You know, yeah, it was hard to be permanently disabled at 22 and be told that's never going away. And, you know, you're likely never going to be able to work sort of like any kind of right. I mean, you know, horrible, horrible day in my life. And so was the day that, you know, I suffered with hypothyroidism in the second time. Hopefully not too many more of those, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um, that all led to where I am now. And it led to a life that I love. And also I get to inspire and help people. And honestly, that brings me so much joy to help Mm. people through something I had to suffer seven years to figure out, to be able to shortcut that A to Z by either writing a book or personally coaching someone or helping someone get over a shame of something or uh, be confident because uh, the only reason I was able to do any of the things I've mentioned so far 
is because I've always been confident as fuck. The only thing that happened there was the chip in the armor was with my disability. And that was the last thing I had to get over because I was so ashamed of it. I didn't even mention it to anybody until a few years ago. I kept that shame for a couple decades. Uh, Mark Sisson didn't know about it. My good friends, no, only a few people that knew the original story knew about it because I was too ashamed to tell anyone I was dating or anything. I was embarrassed of being defective. I was embarrassed of maybe them thinking I'd be a medical liability, even though I don't have to pay medical bills for whatever. But, you know, just these things happen when you're disabled and you have this happen to you. It's horrible. I also have a disability you can't see. People don't fucking understand that. And it's tough after a while. You kind of start to shut up when people question it. Because sometimes they question it in a way that's like, yeah, but do you really have it? And you're like, yeah, would you like to talk to the five hand surgeons in the fucking country who have evaluated my arms, you asshole? So you start to get to this point where you realize hiding it's better, but it's not. And I learned that. And so that was the last piece that I needed to become confident as fuck because I was confident in every other area of my life. But on the confidence note, you're never going to get anywhere in life from the bedroom to the boardroom, unless you speak up and you're confident. And confidence involves is, is with boundary drawing. You need confidence to draw boundaries with people. You need confidence to go ask for the raise. You need confidence to go forward in the world and sell something you're pushing. No one is coming to your house as an artist going, oh, hey, I heard there was a painter that lived here. You got any paint? Oh, those are pretty. Can I buy some? doesn't happen. Yeah. You have yeah. to be a self-promoter. Um, but even if you're a mom and you're a stay-at-home mom, you're still going to need confidence. You're going to have to speak up to some asshole parent of some of your kids' friends or the shitty teacher at the PTA, whatever. You're going to need this in every of your life, even if it's because your steak got cut wrong and you're too insecure to tell them to cook it right and put the steak back. You know, mm. a lot of people can't even do that at a restaurant, right? Yeah. They feel bad. And so um, I'm happy to impart my wisdom in these areas, thyroid and, you know, of course, paleoprimal health, but also confidence and self-esteem. And so long way, you know, long lecture there, but that's kind of the roundabout of my life and why I'm here. And it's funny because my friends in the you know comedy industry are shocked that I'm an author and a speaker in this arena too. You know, I never intended on being a health author, <laughs> like that was wow. not, but I was compelled to. And that's what I say when, because a lot of people do want to be writers, turns out. And I think it's because they think this lifestyle is great, right? Like, oh, I could kind of be anywhere in the world and write. How, how right. cool would that be? And, and, and that is cool. Like, I get it. And they're right. It's fucking awesome. But, but not everybody should be one. And here's why. Are you compelled to do it? If you're not, you shouldn't do it. Mm. Wow. There's also a lot of people who are funny in natural life and terrible at improv. And I've seen people that are brilliant at improv and useless at a barbecue talking to them. Like, a <laughs> Oh, oh, I mean, duds, like, but some of the best improvisers you've ever seen. Wow. And yet opposite wow. too, you get someone who's really, really funny, but they don't understand how to play the rules of the game with improv or they don't understand how to write comedy. And so not everybody should do it. I know a lot of people, I think 80% of Americans want to be a writer. Uh, last I looked, there was a statistics like that high and I get it. You know, it seems so, but it's, do, are you compelled? I was compelled I am compelled, like I have to. So if you don't have that feeling, then you might want to question mm. whether or not you really want to be one, you so, know, but if you're dying and you're burning inside, and that is another thing I also coach people on, you know, I've uh, had a 79 year old woman come to me recently who was like, I, I need to write my memoirs. And she's lived an incredibly interesting life. Um, I have a couple of clients who come to me because they want to put something in paper. They want to complete an article. They want to write a book. They, you know what I mean? So uh, or sitcom, doesn't matter what it is. So I mentor people in all of the arenas that I've succeeded in. 
And like, but I'm not going to do business coaching. Like, right. Like if you come to me and you're like, Hey, uh, I'm like, that that's someone else. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I really want to ask you, how do you ride the line between being really confident and also really vulnerable? Because I think a lot of us have issues and problems and we think we need to hide them inside or bury them down, but you are able to get them out and talk about them and be really honest and out there about them and still be confident at the same time. What, what should most of us learn from that? That's a great question because they seem contradictory. Well, they here's do. the truth. Yeah. Most people who are confident or who have it kind of in them, like me, sort of always sort of been kind of confident, a couple pitfalls. Uh, we don't want to be vulnerable because we think it shows weakness. We don't want to appear weak. So we don't want to be vulnerable. So that's the problem with, you know, highly confident people. The other part of the, is the problem is when you're young, it's misplaced. So you, you're a bully. So I was kind of a bully. Not a horrible, I didn't beat up people, but you know, like I had to apologize to a couple of chicks later on in life, you know, um, for just being, being, you know, cause again, and this is a misuse of confidence. It kind of happens right with kids. This is primal nature. And it also happens when you have trouble in the home or, you know, like or things aren't right. Like, I mean, my dad was like a really fun, wonderful guy, but he was an alky. He was kind of a loser. I was embarrassed about that. You know what I mean? And even though he never hit anyone or was angry or shitty, eh, I was embarrassed. And I think, seeing my dad drop the ball in our family and kind of become a loser, you start sort of taking your shit out on other people, especially when you're a really highly confident kid. That's why you get those bullies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, but here's the thing. The truth is, is that being vulnerable is the most confident as fuck because it is the ultimate not giving a shit about what other people think of you. It also is, hi, it's human. It's reality. We all have emotions, Right. And so I was never comfortable for so many years. It would take me so, it would be so hard for me to be vulnerable and open with anyone, even my friends, like even certain friends, it would be hard. And um, it's such a pitfall. I think we are just so afraid to show that because we see it as weakness and I see it as a strength now and know that. And that's what I try to impart. Now, less confident people or people who might be referred to as beta versus alpha they actually are really good at receiving. They're good at receiving compliments. They're good at receiving help and asking for help when needed. They're great at being vulnerable. They're actually often more diplomatic because they will think before they speak, even though they may have some trouble speaking up. If they do, they're a little bit more diplomatic. So the confidence, conf, the super alpha confident people like me have a lot to learn from these people, right? It's it's a symbiotic relationship. Mm. I'm learning from them, opening up and being more vulnerable, asking for help, like, right, Del, you know, and, and they're learning more about what it means to be confident. And the reason I wrote this is because my whole life, people have been coming to me for this topic, right? They call me up. Oh, I need a good comeback for this bully at work or, you know, <laughs> or like, uh, oh, I, you know, need to ask my boss for a raise. I'm scared. Right. Mm. And what's true too, is it's really funny. And maybe, I don't know if you have friends like this, Casey, but often people are really confident in one area and then like not in another. So like, I have a friend who's really confident when it comes to relationships. Like he has no shame about just expressing transparently what he wants. He's authentic. He's upfront, like no bullshit. Yet, try to get him to go ask for a raise at work. Yeah. Mm. Nope. Yeah, can't do it. Huh. Can't do it. And so sometimes like I have a friend who can barely talk to girls. He's so shy in that arena yet. He can like, he's completely outgoing and can stand in front of a whole gallery of people at an art show and like display his art and be fine. Wow. So it's really interesting. And so what we need to do is we need to be confident as fuck inside, outside all around. Because if one area is shuffled under the rug, like my disability thing was, or whatever it may be for someone else, 
uh, it's going to affect the other areas of your life. So the way that it affected me, like it didn't affect me in business, right? It didn't affect me in like how I was in the world. It didn't help affect me in speaking up. I was, I'm still the same, no shit mofo you're ever going to meet. <laughs> but I, in romantic relationships, I couldn't speak up. I couldn't be vulnerable. I was too scared to tell anyone about my disability. So I hid it. And then you're hiding something. And then you're hiding something thinking, well, I'm hiding this. What are they hiding? Oh my God. Now we breed a hole. You get it. And so I also missed out on some close friendships. Uh, a lot of those people at the comedy theater, I didn't want anyone to know about my disability because I didn't want the questions because then they would ask and then they would know maybe how I made my money and I'd be embarrassed that I was on something called disability and then wow. people would question it and they think I'm fake or right. And I'd already dealt with this for so many years that I just, so I stayed on the outside and I remember a girl so fucking funny. I got so many funny comedy friends, but she said to me at the theater when she's like, you know what I'll no one really knows a lot about you. <laughs> and I remember thinking, good, then I've done my fucking job, right? Wow. Like I remember thinking good because I didn't want anyone to know. And that was that was a bad call, guys. Now, no woulda, coulda, shouldas. But man, there were some people like, you know what? I missed a lot of barbecues. I missed a lot of parties. I missed a lot of camaraderie because I just wanted to keep things super professional with everybody. Mm. Wow. Not even go further. It was more of a not just like I, I made it about being professional, but it was really about me being so ashamed. I didn't want anyone to get to know me too well because I was too embarrassed about what they might think wow. about wow. that particular thing. Sure. Whereas I didn't give a shit about that in any other arena of my <laughs> life, which is why I'm saying you think you're getting away with shoveling something under the rug and you're not. And so finally, one day I was like, if I ever want a great romantic relationship with someone who's emotionally available... I have to be, mm. or I'm going to continue to run into robots like me who are <laughs> emotionally available, won't <laughs> talk about their true feelings. And, you know, so those are some of the lessons that I've learned. Wow. That's amazing. So you have written these books, you have a, a podcast already. Why did you decide to do another podcast, the Kick-Ass Life podcast with Tara, who I just found out <laughs> within the hour is our neighbor. She lives in my neighborhood, literally somewhere. <laughs> Um, what, why did you decide to start another podcast and what were you hoping to communicate to people? Well, the Primal Blueprint podcast every Monday is me interviewing people about health, mind, body topics. And of course the focus is on the guest. I make it conversational. Of course I chime in, but that is, that is specifically that. What I really wanted to do was chat more about the mind, subconscious mind, life coachy type of stuff that helps everyone with their lives. And, you know, I had met Tara. I didn't even really know her well. I had this feeling about her and there was just something about her and her story. And I was like, you know what? I know this is random, but do you want to do a podcast with me? Because I think it might be really good. Wow. And I think you're great. And she was like, yeah. And so we called it the Kick-Ass Life Podcast. And you can go to kickasslifepodcast.com and check it out. We have all the episodes there and stuff like that. Um, she is really dedicated and, and addicted to, like me, self-growth. And she reads a lot. And that's the kind of co-host I want because she is constantly challenging herself. She's also coaching people. And, you know, she's vulnerable and open. Uh, even maybe more so than I am, you know, uh, in general, although I say I'm pretty vulnerable and open now, but she's great. And also I am a big fan of single moms who leave a situation, even though it seems comfy, like Tara did, you know, Tara was in the Mormon church. She had the husband, the four kids at the risk of everything. She left it all. And, uh, my mother also left my father eventually because he was a, you know, sort of a deadbeat. And I really resonate with single moms mm -hmm. in that way. 
And so that just kind of led me to have this overwhelming like love feeling for her and also just being so proud of where she came. And I knew she could offer so much in this conversation based on what she's been through. She grew up poor. She was a Mormon. She then kind of realized some things about the church that made her feel like, oh my God, I've been lied to this whole time. And, you know, that whole transformation of being deprogrammed and things like that, it, it's really uh opens you up. And so, so those are the kind of issues we talk about everything from like how to be a good friend. We occasionally throw in a health thing in there, but because we have our own individual interview podcast where we're mostly talking about health, um, you know, we just wanted to dive into things and tips and tricks and just conversations that are going to make uplift people and make people feel like they have an out or give them a good book example, or, you know what I mean? And so that's what uh, kick-ass life podcast is about. Just us having fun talking about things that we feel could enrich your life. Well, it's really well done. You're definitely accomplishing that goal. I just finished the episode about reparenting that you guys were talking oh, about yeah. how to how to change your relationship, you know, that you had with your parents and and how you're going to, you know, portray that with your own children. And I learned a ton. Like that was really helpful stuff. And you guys again, very open and honest about it and and I I think it would be really easy to keep those experiences inside, but you talk about it in a way that makes it feel okay. And I do feel like I'm in the room with you guys learning along. So it's really great. It's very oh, well done. You. It's awesome. Tell me, uh, what makes you excited about the future? Oh man. Ugh, well, I've got another book coming out with the doctor that was a part of my first book. We are, oh, cool. uh, rolling that I it, there's no title, nothing. I we're, we're, you know, working and talking to publishers right now about that. I'm excited about creating a paleothyroid solution course. I have actually chatted about that for years, but I'm actually finally doing it based on a variety of factors. Just now is the time. So I want to, you know, cause you can coach with me one-on-one, -on -one, but as far as the thyroid goes, I'd love to offer just an automated course where like, Hey, you can still call me, but let me give you a even more in-depth stuff than my book. Right. And um, I'm excited about creating a confidence course as well. And I'm working on that right now. And, and this is a great example to everyone out there. If you're a coach, coaches need coaches too. Okay. If you don't have a coach and you're a coach, you're kind of missing out. And so there are some things that um, you get a coach for. Uh, for example, I could probably figure out it's not brain surgery, how to do like group coaching courses and stuff. I have friends that do it. I could call them up, but instead I'm taking a three month, you know, course from one of my friends who does this because mm -hmm. I want to be held accountable and because let me have someone guide me through it so that I don't even have to go look for the information and see what's up. And so I will move more into group coaching in terms of confidence and self-esteem versus one-on-one. -on -one. It'd be hard to do group coaching with thyroid because that is very individual and specific, but those are the things I'm really excited about. And of course I have, uh, you know, tons of, you know, always sitcoms in the work. I'm coming up with a writing a fourth sitcom with my comedy writing partner that I've had for years. And I mean, that is just so much fun. You know, everything I do is fun. I love connecting with people. I love helping people because let me tell you this. The only reason I got better the first time with my first bout of hypothyroidism, I'd gone over to over two dozen endocrinologists and doctors. They all hurt me or didn't help me or steered me in the wrong direction. The only people that helped me were fellow patients on a free Yahoo thyroid group that were just offering their time because they already knew a bunch of stuff and they were wanting to help people. Wow. And Janie Bolthorpe is that woman. She now, since then, had published a book called Stop the Thyroid Madness, one of my favorite books, and also has the website of the same name, probably the best website for thyroid health. I mention her because she's one of the only health authors in thyroid world that I actually trust and would recommend. And at the time in 2006, like she just had this Yahoo group trying to help people and they, they steered me in the right direction to help me help myself. 
And so did, I'll mention one other author, a thyroid author named Paul Robinson out of England. He also saved my life. My second bout of hypothyroidism was called reverse T3. Won't get into that now, but long story short, it's one that doctors know even less about. So I was like left in the dust again, my own. And if Paul had not written his book on it, I don't know that I'd be alive right now. Mm. So those two, I will just, I could shed tears of gratitude thinking about how fellow patients who went through it helped me. And that's why the best-selling thyroid books are written by patients. It's we've gone through it. So I will never stop helping people with their thyroid problems. And I, you know, I do all over the world because it's all the same. The doctors are just as uninformed in Brazil as they are in Sweden. It it just doesn't matter. Um, So that brings me so much joy too, because, because I had a little bit of that. I had a little bit of that experience of fellow patients being like, I get it. I understand, like understanding and even qualifying symptoms that you're like, yes, I have, you know, and that's important to relate to that versus some doctor who's never been through it. Mm. Wow. Well, we're going to refer the listener to go check out the episode that you did recently with one of our former guests, Dr. Greg Dennis. You put on an absolute clinic on the thyroid. I was blown away. It was amazing (laughs) and fantastic. And so please, if you're the listener, remember that podcast. We'll link it in the show notes. Go check that out. It's very, very good. And And I'm happy, you know, if you want me to come back on and we do something solely on thyroid, I'll go through it. I'm happy to do that. I know this was like more of an overall. I am happy to get detailed on this and come back on and do it because I, it is so important to get that information out there. So if you, if we want, thank you. That was a good, that was a good one with him. Um, also for anyone listening, lrust.com top, right. Free thyroid guide tells you all the tests to get, when to get tested, uh, you know, uh, how to suss out a doctor's office to see if they're stupid or not, or if they're any better, you know, just a bunch of tips that are free that you don't need to read my book to, to, to kind of get. And then you can always look at interviews of me talking about thyroid and find one in there that will help you understand it. I think, when you have a hypo brain, your brain's not working right. It's hard to synthesize information. And I think that it's better sometimes to hear it or see someone talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, all of that is out there for people. But of course, I'm glad to come on and just do a thyroid episode with you where we really get into the weeds. Uh, Yeah, we're not turning that down. <laughs> for sure. You're more than welcome <laughs> on the show anytime you like. This has been an amazing conversation. We could talk for hours, I'm sure. What is one simple thing you would want the yeah. listener to take away from this conversation and apply in their lives? Hmm. Man, as far as just like general health goes, sleep, damn it, sleep, prioritize it, figure it out. I talked to too many friends who are like, I'm so tired. I'm like, when you get to bed, 12, when you wake up, five, oh, fuck. Like, just, you know what? <laughs> you have to get together. Sleep is so key. Um, but that's health wise. I'd say life wise, it's just you have got to get confident as fuck. You, you're, you're the only one that cares the most about you. And you're the only one who's going to be your best promoter and supporter. Um, whether it's like you had shitty parents, you need to repair yourself, whether it's, doesn't matter what it is. So getting your self-esteem up, speaking up, getting confident inside and out is really going to do your life wonders, um, because you're going to be much happier. Mm, We absolutely love that. What a great way to end this conversation. Tell, tell the listener one more time where they can go to find you and find your work and connect with you. Sure. You can go to lrus.com, E-L-L-E-R-U-S-S.com. And all the podcast links and the links to my books are there. My books are both on uh, Amazon. Um, the Paleothyroid Solution is also in Barnes & Noble and several other stores. Uh, and then, yeah, kickasslifepodcast.com. Primal Blueprint Podcast every Monday, Kickass Live Podcast every Wednesday. And all that information is on my website. And, um, you know, happy, you know, we love suggestions for podcasts. If anyone's like, hey, do this topic, well, Tara and I are always open to that. 
Um, and yeah, happy to answer any questions. And of course, uh, anyone can reach out to me if they need, you know, private code. That's fantastic. That's great. El Russ, thank you so very much for everything that you've done, for everything that you've gone through in your life and overcome. And thank you for sharing that message because you could have just as easily figured it out for yourself and not shared it with people. But you are able to be vulnerable and talk about it. And it is very, very helpful. So thank you so much. We're so grateful for you, for everything that you've done and for appearing on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute honor. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio.